0: Amen. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Yes. Yes. Um, So I don't know if uh, uh, some of the ladies in the house know it, but fathers actually have special superpowers. Uh, We do. We do. There's a question that you ladies like to ask us all of the time, and and that question is this. What are you thinking about? (laughs) And to which we respond 98% of the time, Nothing. And to which you do not believe that this is possible. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's very possible. I understand that inside the mind of a woman, you're thinking about 72 different things simultaneously. You're fixing the world's problems. You're changing diapers. You're doing all of these things. Guys, we are thinking about nothing. And we're not lying to you. I actually read a word. We're going to put this uh, thing on the screen this morning. It's a Latin word. I think it's Latin. And it says this, dolce farnete, the sweetness of doing nothing. I pray that over everybody today. So whenever you go home and, and ladies, you start asking questions like, well, what do you want to do today? Nothing. Nothing. Literally. Like, that's what we want to do. Nothing, nothing. Oh well, we could, we could do this. <laughs> Listen, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to think about nothing. Nothing. Today's sermon, all about nothing. OK. Second <laughs> Timothy, chapter one. I'm going to begin uh, reading with verse three. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy from a prison cell. He says this to him. Verse 3 Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember this I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother. Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to do this, to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live this holy life. And he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan. Not because we deserved it, y'all but because it was his plan for before the very beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plan known to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illustrated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And that's why I'm suffering. Did you catch that? All of this really amazing good news, and that's why I'm suffering here in this prison, because I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. Amen. Let me say that one more time. I'm not ashamed of it. Why? For I know the one in whom I trust. I just want to kind of fan the flame a little bit this morning. Is that all right? All right. No matter where you find yourself, I, I, I find this about fire, that different types of fire need different types of fanning, right? If you're, if you're just out there and you're, you're Boy Scouting in the woods and you're trying to make this fire, you just... Just a little bit, just a little bit. But sometimes you're out there and it's just pouring rain, and you need you just need a whole gust of wind to get that fire going. So there's different types of winds that you might need wherever you're at this morning. If you just feel like your flame is just barely holding on, whatever it is, that we would just kind of fan that flame this morning. Does it sound good? Okay, so a long time ago, my grandma told me this story. Uh, I just told it to my father, and I think it's a story like from, from her parents. Um, so this, this goes back, you know, early 1900s. You got the uh, uh, World War, the Depression. All of these things are happening, and uh, they're here in this area. And Holden Beach at the time is becoming Holden Beach of what it is. You know, there's no bridge, none of that stuff. And um, back in the day, she tells the story that you could actually buy an acre of land at Holden Beach for $500. Come on, somebody. $500 for an acre on the beach. You know, I'm like, that is a good investment, Grandma. You need to get, the, get that land. Um, but the thing is, she, she goes on to say nobody wanted to buy it. And the reason why nobody wanted to buy the land is because you couldn't grow your garden on it. I'm like, you, 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 you know, for some tomatoes and some grapes, you know, you just, you couldn't grow those things, there was the wrong type of soil, and, and, and to, to their defense, you know, back in those times, you know, $500 was a good deal of money, and, you know, you, you, got, you got the Depression, you got the war, and people were just trying to survive, they were just trying to make it, and so buying this land just did not seem like a good investment, especially when you're in survival mode, especially when you're just trying to feed your kids, right? And and I I thought about that story quite a bit through the years, and I thought how through these last few years, it really feels like in a lot of ways, a lot of people are just in survival mode. You know, we kind of went through COVID, and things got flipped upside down, and And there was just all this pruning that was taking place. And a lot of us kind of got into this survival mode of just like, I'm just trying to make it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody in the room have the slightest idea what I'm talking about? Like if we could just make it, we could just hold on. And then we kind of started getting out of this mode. But at the same time, there's this thing in our hearts that's like, well, what if it happens again? We went through ups and downs, and I don't know, and and there's all this talk of the economy and the war and all these things. So we're just trying to survive. And here's the thing. During all these processes, whenever you find yourself in the survival mode, your vision starts to grow dim. The vision of what you think is possible the vision of what God told you is possible. The vision of what could be and should be all of a sudden starts to grow dim because all of these circumstances and all of these things around us begin to say, no, 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 this couldn't happen, or, or it's happened before and it'll happen again. So, so we kind of get into this mode of like, okay, well, I just, gotta, I just got to survive. I got to survive. And, and, and I thought about the story. I thought about this other letter that God wrote to his people, uh, many of you know it. We know Jeremiah 29. It's this letter to the people, and uh, we, you know, we love the part about the plans I have for you to prosper you, a hope, and a future, but we forget that the context of that letter is written to a people uh, that have been hauled away into slavery, right? In the context of that letter, God is saying, listen, go ahead and plant your gardens here. Plant vineyards, build houses, get married, get ready, because you're going to be here for a while. And no one wants to read this letter. So if you were back there and you were reading Jeremiah 29, 11, see, we leave it, we put it on our bumper stickers, we put it in our cars, but the original people that got this letter from God was, God, this isn't what we want to hear. You're telling us not only can we just survive in this place, but we're going to thrive in this place that we don't even want to be in. And this is what's going to happen for generations to come. And then I look at this letter Another letter written from Paul to Timothy, this father to son, saying, listen, all of this that's happening to me, I'm, I'm in prison right now, but I'm the one encouraging you, Timothy, to fan the flame. Like Again, do you catch the irony of that? Paul's the one in prison. If anybody should be getting the letters of encouragement, it should be Paul, but Paul flipped it around and said, "No, no, 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 Timothy. I want you to understand. I'm encouraging you. you need to fan this flame. You need to get this in you. Because if you just look at these circumstances that surround us, you, you, you could just try to go into survival mode. You could just try to think that this is all it will ever be. All of these letters and what Paul is telling us. Listen, Timothy. You could grow a garden in this soil. And that's what I want to tell you this morning. That garden will grow." It may look different than what you have in your mind, but that garden will grow. See, we 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 shrink back and we look back and we think, oh, like this is all that's possible. And I'm telling you, God's saying, listen, that garden will grow. It, it's not dependent on the government, it's not dependent on the economy. There's gonna be wars, there's gonna be rumors of wars, there's gonna be all these things, but I'm telling you, that garden will grow. That garden will grow vision It's not just seeing what is, but it's what could be. It's what should be. It's seeing things as God values them. See, sometimes we value things. We say, well, this thing is worthless. And the fact is we're just saying it's worth less than what God has said it's worth. To say, no, no, no there's more. It could be worth more than what we're giving it credit for. Do we have this God-sized dream or are we just basing our dreams on our current circumstances? A letter from a prison. A letter to a people in exile. Paul reminding Timothy, listen, just, just fan the flame. Fan the flame. And again, I, I love the fact that it's Paul encouraging Timothy. I, I think about some of the mission trips that I've been on in the past where I go to some of these countries and I think, oh, I'm just going to encourage these people only to realize, like, they're the ones that end up encouraging me. I go to these, some of these places, oh, we're going to do this, and we're going to bless these kids, and I work with all these orphanages and teaching all these kids English, and at the end of the day, man, those kids gave me far more than I could ever give them. God just has a way of doing that. The gospel has a way of doing that when we fan the flame. I look at Jesus on the cross, I think about that moment where He's given his very life. And he stops death itself to say, hold on, pause. John, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. I mean, in in the midst of all of this, that I'm I'm literally saving humanity, I want you all to know you're gonna be all right. He's just still given. he's given this vision of the future. It doesn't matter. Are we just looking through worldly eyes, or are we looking through kingdom eyes? God, what do you say? What do you want? Help us to get out of this survival mode. So I want to give you a few things this morning to get us back to this God-sized vision of what could be, what should be. First thing he says to Timothy is, listen, I remember a few things. I remember the tears in your eyes when we parted ways. Have you ever been around someone and you can just see it in their eyes when they care for you? You can just see it, just, man that person just genuinely cared for me. That person just genuinely loves me. You could see it in their eyes. I remember, I think it's John Maxwell that says, people will remember how you make them feel long after what it is that you've told them. This feeling that that the people have, like, this is how they make me feel. And Paul's saying, Listen, even in this state that I'm in, I'm in this prison, but I remember the tears in your eyes. I remember the emotions. I remember the empathy. I remember the excitement. I remember the good times and I remember the bad times. I think about the verse where it just says, And Jesus wept, knowing good, well, in just a couple minutes there's going to be resurrection. And he still, he just wept. And the writer, this was such an important moment that he put it down, like, no, no, he wept. Sometimes you just got to have somebody to cry with. Someone, someone who's just, no, no, when, you, when we're apart, I feel it. When, when we have to go, like, I just, want you to, I, I just want you in my life. I'm grateful for you. I love you. A little something for the dads. Tell your kids you love them. I know we say that we, 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 we show it every day when we work really hard and we, we do all of these things. And we, we pay all the bills. But you got to say it. Come on, somebody. Are y'all alive this morning? <laughs> you got to say it. Say the words. Tell your spouse. Tell your wife. You know what? I love you. I love you. I'm thinking about you. I'm doing this men's group right now. And I invited this group of guys, there's 10 of us, and we meet at my house once a month. And each one of them, whenever I I told them about this group, they didn't know all of the things, they're going to have to read all these books and do all of this work. But to each one of them, even before I told them all the things you had to do, I went to them and I said this, I said, Garrett, I want you. I want you in this group. And you know what? Every single one of them said yes, even before they knew they were saying yes too. Because it was just something about someone saying, I want you. And see, like, we don't want to say that out loud because it makes us feel like, oh, or I'm insecure or, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Or they, they don't have to say, I love you. No, no, you got to say it. You got to do it. You got to say it. You got to show it. I love you. I want you. I want you to show up. I want you in my life. Paul's saying, listen, in, in this moment of my life where I could be at the lowest point, he understands, like, I remember the tears in your eyes. I remember there's someone out there that, that cares for me and loves me and, and I love you. All these feelings, right? Guys don't like to talk about feelings. They're important. God gave them to us. But here's the thing about feelings too. Feelings can lie. Feelings can distort the truth. Feelings can say, well, I feel this way and I feel this way. And what happens is we begin to start feeling things and we begin to start projecting our own emotions onto certain relationships, onto certain things based upon our past experiences. So in other words, we've gotten rejected in the past before, so I'm going to get rejected in the past again. So even whenever someone says, I want you, I'm just thinking, oh, it's only a matter of time before you don't want me. Because I've, I've already felt this, and, and there's all these feelings, and all this. And so we put up all of these walls and we do it in our marriages and we do it with our kids and we do all these things because well, well I'm not sure, and we begin to project all these things that are just not true. We tell ourselves all of these lies and all this past hurt and past pain, just waiting to get hurt. And the beauty of the gospel is while wow, we were yet sinners, Jesus said, like, no, no. I loved you not just in this moment, I loved you before, before you messed it up, before you got it right, in your success, in your failure, and, your fa- and you know what, you can't get me to leave you. I want you, just as you are. See, some of us, we think we got to clean ourselves all up to, become, to come to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is like, you can't. Like, they don't make enough shampoo. You can't rinse and repeat enough times you keep trying, you keep trying, you keep trying, and then we, we make this into like, this is what the Christian life is all about, to try to kind of clean yourself up. That's not what Jesus came for. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so you could be a really good person. He came and died so you could be made new. We need a whole new you. We don't need just an improved you. We don't need like Lucas 2.0. We need a whole new Lucas, right? Because Lucas 2.0 is like, no, 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 no. We, uh-uh. we just need Jesus, all right? So this idea that you could be clean enough or good enough or give enough, like you can't work your way into this thing. Understand it. Wow, we were yet sinners. And yet some of us, we still, we just want to earn it, and we can't. And I just love it. I remember that he wept. In that moment he wept, he joined in my pain. He joined in my suffering. He knew good and well and he's going to take care of everything, but still in that moment, he's right there with you. He's not distant. And he told you, and he showed you. And Paul's saying this about Timothy. Listen, I remember your tears. The second thing is, is, I remember your genuine faith. I remember your genuine, like, I love getting around people that have that genuine faith. Faith that like, now this person is the real deal. They're not pretending. They're, they're, not, they're not acting like they got it all together. This is some genuine faith. This is some sincere faith. Faith that, uh, I think I've, I've told this before, and y'all have heard it, but uh, there was this practice back in first century Jerusalem where um, the people would go into the marketplace, and, and there would be all of these guys uh, making pottery and uh, d- doing all these things. And the, um, what's the name of the person selling the Pottery. The merchant. Uh, the merchant, you know, sometimes they'd have this pottery and it would crack. And so, to make it look like it was perfect pottery, they'd fill it in with wax. And, and they'd make the pottery look like, oh, it's perfect. And, and, and it's, 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 it's without blemish. And, and you know, just, just to be a shady merchant. Uh, and that's actually where this word sincere comes from. It literally means without wax. It means without wax. In other words, you're getting it just as it is. It isn't made to just look good. It is good. And sometimes the good stuff has a few cracks in it. See, it's like getting those apples at the store where they've sprayed them to make them look red. Like, that's not genuine faith, right? It's not a genuine apple. Like We want to we spray coat our lives. And that's not genuine faith. Genuine faith is this is who I am. This is where I'm at. Cracks and all. This is, this is sincere. And, and, and Timothy has some issues, man. He's going through some things. He's struggling but like to have this. I remember this genuine faith that you had, Timothy. I love getting around people that have that. Uh, one person in my life was this buddy I had named Joel. That he just, man, just God would talk to him and he just would just believe whatever God said. I mean, it was just awesome. Like, yeah, God told me to go be a missionary in Mexico. I'm going. Like, how much money you got? Nothing when are you leaving? Probably tomorrow. Like, okay. I remember we sat up, and uh, we we're like, well, we got to get you some money for the airplane ticket. So we sat up that night, and we recorded. Uh, we, we both were like, well, we can both play guitar, so let's record an album. Uh, <laughs> so that's what you do at one o'clock in the morning. We did. We recorded an album. We recorded five songs, and then we uh, went into the church, and we made all these duplicates of these things that they used to have called CDs. And um, duplicate them all and we were selling them all for like five bucks a piece right and we made like a hundred bucks we didn't really think it through you know but we're like well here's a hundred bucks for you you know plane tickets going to be a whole lot more than that but you know what he ended up in Mexico and and he ended up like he was down there for like 15 years or something on faith on faith just, just believe, like, that genuine faith. And I think about that moment and how that just affected me. I'm just like, he just believed. Think about Abraham. He just believed and accounted it. Right. I remember your genuine faith cracks in all, Timothy. See, some of us, like, want to act like we got it all together. And I've learned this. Like, we try to cover up our doubts and fears. And oftentimes in the church world, like, the preacher can just get real angry and real loud. And it's like, that doesn't make you more right you know, well, like you're really just covering up your doubts and your fears. Or, or you're talking this big game. Uh, we had uh, a person not too long ago we, that told me about, they were just struggling with the Bible. Like, I, I just, you know, Lucas, I come to church, and I just, don't, I just don't know if I could believe all of that stuff. I'm like, you're at the right place. Like, we'll take you with all, you know, it, it, it's okay. You don't have to act like you're a perfect Christian. Like, that's what you're here for. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. Okay, Thomas, I'll take all your doubts, all your fears. all your, It's okay. You know what's not okay? It's for you to pretend. To pretend like you got it all together. Pretend like you got it all figured out. And some of us have that concept in our minds that, oh, well, we're in church now. Like, no, 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 you are the church. We are the church. And if we can't get real here, we're surely not going to get real out there. And if we get the fake spray on apples in here, the world is going to see it really quick. You just just got to have that genuine faith. And here's the thing about genuine faith. Genuine faith doesn't pretend, but it does stir it up. Genuine faith doesn't pretend, but it does stirring up. There's times where you're just just having a bad day and God's saying, I understand. Listen, you got to stir up the gift that is within you, Timothy, because sometimes these feelings that you're feeling, they're not all genuine. They're they're, they're not all the, they could be genuine, but they're not all the real thing of what God's saying to you. Here's the question. What's more real, what you're feeling or what God's saying? And each one of us will have to answer that question for us in our own time. Do I either believe what God said about this situation and what God's saying over my life and what God's saying over my marriage and what God's saying over my identity or am I just believing what the circumstances dictate and how I feel in this moment? What's more real? And and, and to to take all of this and to bring it to God and say, you know what, this may be how I feel, but you know what, I'm going to stir up the faith. I'm going to stir up what I believe is possible. Why? Because I know who the one who my faith is in. I know the one who my faith is in. Now, this is really tricky because when we start doing this, it can feel fake. When you start stirring up the gift, it's like, well, I feel this way, but now I feel like I'm starting to be fake because this isn't how I feel. But no, no, the truth is you're actually entering into the truth of God. Okay, God, I don't feel it, but if this is what you said Your truth overrides my feelings, and so I'm going to press into that until all of a sudden my body, will, mind, and emotions lines up with your word. See, that's a big difference between being fake and pressing in and stirring up. Come on, somebody. I'm teaching better than you're saying amen. I will start amening myself if y'all don't. Jesus did it in Revelations. He did it. He's like, hey, and all the churches say, what? No, amen. I'll amen myself. I'll do it. Come on. Thank you, somebody. I remember. I remember, Timothy. I remember your tears. I remember your genuine faith. All I know is when I'm going through really tough things, I want to be around genuine people. You ain't got to have all the answers, but you got to be real. As a matter of fact, sometimes you don't have to have any answers. Sometimes you just got to cry with me and be real and then leave. Then to, then to act like you got it all together. Come on, somebody. You know, Job's friends were awesome until they opened their mouth. <laughs> when you just, just sit by the campfire and let's just cry for a while because this brother's hurting. I don't, I don't need your like, bumper sticker quote right now. What I need is you just, to just weep like Jesus wept and just love me and be real, be genuine. I remember your tears. I remember your faith even as I sit in this prison cell. And then he says this, I remember not only your faith, but I remember the legacy of faith. I remember what was in your grandmother, and I remember what was in your mother. I remember all all of this that's been brought down and put into you, Timothy. And In light of all of this, in light of the legacy of the people that have gone before you, stir it up. And I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't mention Timothy's dad right here. Because in the Jewish culture, that's what he would have done. He said, I would have remembered your dad. I would have remembered your, but he doesn't do that. So we don't know what happens to, to, to Timothy's dad. There's only one portion of scripture that tells us that Timothy's dad was actually a Gentile, not a Jew. So, so we, have, we, have, we have this guy, he's half Jew, half Gentile, and he's kind of living in this world, and, and he's not sure there's this timidity about him. We're not sure what happened. Is his dad present? Is his dad not present? Has there been a tragedy? Did he just leave? We don't know. But this, we do know that, listen, there are people that sacrificed for you to get to where you're at, Timothy. It was your mama, it was your grandmama, and even if your dad's not in the picture, I guarantee you this, those women worked twice as hard for you to get to where you're at. See, sometimes we look around and we want to play the woe is me or whatever, and I didn't have. Listen, that just means somebody has sacrificed even more so. If you're in the room and you're single mom, single dad, it just means like you've had to do even more. There's a legacy that follows us. Nobody, no matter how successful they are, has gotten to where they've gotten to on their own. Nobody. Zero. There's not one person in all of humanity that we look at them and they're like, oh man, Jeff Bezos, Beaz- oh, man, he started Amazon. It wasn't just him. Steve Jobs was not that awesome. I'm telling you, all these people, like I'm telling you, Behind the scenes, there is a legacy of people working, fanning the flame. And here's the implied thing. Paul doesn't directly say it, but he says, listen, all of these things, uh, Timothy, fan the flame. Because like, if you don't, the warning is that fire can go out. If you don't remember, if you don't remember all of this, that you've gone through, all of this that, that's happened, like, that fire can go out. It, it, it can't, if, you, if you don't feed it, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. Because cold love produces fear. Cold love produces timidity. Cold love produces powerlessness. Cold love produces a life that's not disciplined. You've got to fan it. You've got to fan it into flame, even when you don't feel like it, even when all these things could have gotten wrong. And that's why even from the prison cell, I'm fanning your flame, and as I'm fanning your flame, mine's even growing more. And look at, look at what we're reading. As Paul is doing this, from this prison cell, look at the impact that he's still having today. Why? Because he chose not to just look at his present circumstances. He chose not to just be in survival mode, but he chose, you know what? It may look a certain way, but I'm going to keep encouraging. I'm going to keep believing. Why? Because I know the one who I put my faith in. And when I look at the one who put my faith in, he takes prison bars and he makes them where, you know what? 2,000 years later, they're still going to be talking about this. 2,000 years later, we're still going to be encouraging people. We're still going to be loving people. We're still going to, there's still going to be more people that have tears in their eyes and genuine faith and just want to see the kingdom come and Christ's glory revealed again and again and again. He puts it in perspective, and he just doesn't get into survival mode. No, 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 we're going to thrive in this. We're going to thrive in this prison cell. Remember the tears. Remember the genuine faith. Remember the legacy. And as I do this, as I preach to you, Timothy, as I I teach to you, as I keep doing all of this good news, that's why I'm in jail. Like some of us, we're like, well, I try to do all this good stuff, and every time I try to do something good, something bad happens. You do realize we have an enemy, right? And all the good stuff that you do, he is attacking you. He doesn't like the fact that you're doing things of the kingdom, And so, yeah, there's going to be some prison cells. There's going to be some bad days. There's going to be some times in your life where there's some crosses and it feels like everything is going wrong. There's going to be some times where you've got to fan the flame. All of this is happening because of the gospel, because of the good news, which is interesting because this is Paul. He was never put in prison for beating Christians. He was never put in prison for persecuting and all of these bad things that he did. No, no, he was actually encouraged to do all those things. But his life ended up in prison when he started doing the good news. That is the good news that Jesus has called us into and called us to preach. Go and make disciples and preach this good news and recognize when you do preach this good news, you're going to get persecuted. They're going to say all manners of evil against you. There's going to be some bad days. There's going to be some times where if you're not careful, your love can grow cold, so you've got to fan that flame. Because it's the outworking of this world that we live in. And I'm here to tell you, like, I know it doesn't, I don't even want to say that. I remember thinking years ago, hearing the preachers preach and saying, you know, like, uh, the persecution of the church in America. And I remember just thinking how far fetched of an idea that was. It's growing closer and closer. Uh, even now, you can flip on TV and, and any television you show, they make Christians look like complete idiots. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it's, it's not just this casual thing. No, no, it's on purpose. I actually read this interview or this thing, that one of these producers, uh, his name is Dick Wolf. He did all of the um, what, Law and Order, all that kind of stuff, all these really, FBI, FBI, Most Wanted, like, all these, like produced all of these things. And if you watch, every one of them, Christians are idiots because he doesn't believe. And for him, this is his experience, but he's taking that one belief and that one idea and he's influencing millions and millions of people. Until we grow up and we have this, all of a sudden, now we have this culture where to be a Christian means you're an idiot. It means, well, like, you have nothing to do with science and you're just people of faith or whatever. Like, are you serious? That's so far from the gospel. So far from what Jesus says in the gospel and what we believe. And yet, we're moving in that direction. And so what happens when the day comes where you can get persecuted for your faith? Do you have strong roots that go down deep that no matter what happens, Jesus, if they put me in prison, I believe. And not only do I just believe, but I can thrive in this prison cell. My garden can grow in this soil your garden can grow in that soil. Whatever it is, whatever you're facing, I'm here to tell you, your garden can grow in that soil. So plant vineyards, plant houses, do these things. Enlarge your territory. God is working even when it doesn't seem like it. Let's all stand to our feet. There's, there's acres of land sale for $500 an acre and what I mean by that is there's opportunities all around us right now church it may be hard to see them because you thought you could only grow in one particular type of soil but when we look to the one in whom we put our hope vision changes Opportunities. This prison isn't a sentence. This prison's an opportunity. For I know the plans I have for you plans to give you a hope and a future. Pray with me, church. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear what you're doing right now. In this moment, we just pause and, like Paul, we remember. We remember your body broken, your blood shed. We remember your great love for us. And we did nothing to earn it while we were yet sinners. We remember that you stepped out of heaven and into humanity. We remember that you were the lamb that was slain before even the foundation of the earth. Before you separated land and sea, heavens and earth, it was already done. to know the one in whom we hope, to know you, the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering, to know you as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, to know you as we sit at a table in the very presence of our enemy, to know you in our coming, and our going, To know you in our prison cells. To know you not only as you transfigure on the mountaintops, but as you bring us down to the valley low. To know you when you feed 5,000. And to know you when the storm is raging and you're asleep on the boat. In you, we live and breathe and move and have our very being. Know you, to know the one in whom we trust, and to trust that he who began a good work will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. Jesus, we just need you. The blessing of having nothing but you. Because if we have you, we have everything.